Good day, church. My name is Jonathan Rogers, and I'm a student at Kingswood University. I'm a third year student, and uh, it's a ministry school, and so I'm trained to do uh, something similar to what Bruce and Joanna are doing. And so being given this honor to share this message with you is uh, something very near and dear to my heart. And so today I will be sharing with you a message from the Gospel of Mark, from chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. Now, for a quick little context on Mark's gospel, it's what a lot of scholars would consider to be the rawest gospel, meaning that Mark is more down-to-earth, showing the successes and more often the failings of disciples of Jesus. He also uses a lot of action words, like immediately, forthwith, and straightaway. Our passage closely relates to this. This is just after Jesus asked the disciples who others at the time thought that he was. And a lot of the people at the time thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, Elijah, or some other prophet. And then Jesus asked his disciples directly who they thought he was. And Peter responded saying that he was Christ, the Messiah. And at that time, the Messiah was thought to be someone more of a military leader for the Jewish people. Someone that would come and liberate them from Roman rule. Yet Jesus completely flipped that on its head, saying that he would actually have to suffer, be rejected, die, and rise again three days later. And Peter did not like this whatsoever, and so he tried to correct Jesus, saying that he wouldn't have to do any of that. But Jesus rebuked him, and saying that he was not focusing on godly things, but on worldly things. And then this is where we come to our passage of Scripture. And then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Now, there's a lot of heavy words in there, like deny and ashamed. And I'm asking you to keep an open mind and heart to this. This is God's word. It's true, and sometimes the truth can be heavy to hear. And I want to challenge you like this has been, like this has been challenging me. And seriously consider the weight and power of what is being said here. And so starting off in verse 34, Jesus calls the crowd and disciples to him and begins to tell them what it takes to be his disciple. If anyone wants to follow him, they must first deny themselves. And what Jesus means by this is simple. Saying no to our own sinful desires. And some that aren't necessarily sinful. The sinful ones can be obvious, like lust, being greedy, hate, selfishness, but others like wanting to feel comfortable, avoiding pain and suffering, to feel happy, those aren't necessarily sinful. Those are natural instinctual desires that we have. Yet sometimes they can get in the way and we must push past them and say no to wanting to avoid pain and suffering because we're not promised an easy life as Christians. Think about what Jesus is asking these people to do. The people at this time did not have a lot. 
They didn't have a lot of food, money, safety, resources in general, like we do today. And Jesus is calling the crowd and the disciples to deny themselves, even in their circumstances. Jesus calls us to do the same today, whatever our circumstance may be. Be it poor, rich, sick, healthy, happy, or sad, to deny ourselves. What that means for each of us is between you and God. It may be a sin, like hating someone for whatever reason, and God is calling you to deny that hate and love them. Or it could be getting far too intimate with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and God is calling you to deny yourself, wait until marriage, or maybe make the choice to end things with them if they can't agree to that, or it's just not possible. It could also be something that isn't necessarily a sin, Maybe it's wanting to avoid ruining a friendship with someone by sharing the gospel with them, but God is calling you to deny yourself and go share the full gospel with them. Or maybe you are financially steady and have a promising future ahead. Yet you feel God is calling you to do something that could throw all your plans into disarray and are struggling with that decision. We must then take up our cross. Okay, so we have denied ourselves but now we got to take up a cross, like a big one. Luckily, it's not in a literal sense, per se, because I got new alarms from this quarantine, and so I definitely wouldn't be able to carry one right now. But back then, carrying a cross was something a criminal did. And they would be led to a place where they would be crucified. And Jesus is saying, we cannot worry about what the world thinks of you when you follow him. Because to the world, you will look like a criminal, an outcast. Someone that has done wrong is to be rejected, to be despised. And Jesus is also pointing to what he will be doing himself. He, he himself will be rejected, suffer, and die, yet he will rise again. And that is why he tells us to follow him, because he will go first. And right after that, we follow him, and that means we are submitting to his authority. Because a criminal carrying a cross would follow a Roman authority, most likely a soldier, to their crucifixion. So by following Jesus, we are allowing his authority to lead our lives. Jesus is not simply asking them to follow him if if he was some regular old rabbi at the time. Being asked to follow a rabbi back then was a great honor, but Jesus claimed to be far more than that. He claimed to be the Messiah. And that brought with it a lot of danger from those who didn't believe him and thought of him as a threat. Yet Jesus is asking them to follow him directly in his footsteps, even following to death. Jesus then makes it clear what will happen when you make one of two choices. You can choose not to follow him, saving your life for a time. But in the end, when you reach the end of your life here on earth, you will have lost your life. But if you choose to follow Jesus and perhaps lose it while following him, you won't have actually have truly lost your life. Now, give this some serious thought. It seems to be a contradictory question at first. But if Jesus' claims are true, that he is the Messiah, the one and only way to God, which there is good, solid evidence for, then the cost of following him pales in comparison to what you will gain in the end. Your life, your soul, will be saved. Because what is a soul worth? Is it worth five bucks, 
a car, a plane, a country, a continent, even the whole world? No. None of those even come close to what the worth of your soul is. Because as it says, you can gain everything in the world, all the money, fame, comfort, pleasure, yet still not save your soul. Nothing can be given in return for it. There is only one thing that can save your soul, your life, and that is by Jesus, by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. And the final verse is a little bit scary. It says that if anyone is ashamed of Jesus and his message, that when Jesus returns, Jesus will be ashamed of them. Meaning that if we're ashamed of following Jesus for who he was and what he said, he will be ashamed of us. And back then, it was an honor-shame culture. And that meant if you were shamed, you were to be rejected. You were an outcast. And that's what Jesus will do to those who reject him. He will reject them. There is no third option to any of this. Either we are loyal to Jesus or we are not. He also calls out the generation of people he is speaking to. He calls them adulterous and sinful. Now, he is speaking to the Jewish people like this because they do not see Jesus for who he was. And those that did realize who Jesus was still did not fully see just what he meant to do. And I wonder what Jesus would say about today's generation of Christians. Are we as Christians today following Jesus to where he would call us something like a righteous and holy generation? Or would he say something else? I don't have an answer for that. But I think it's something for us to all seriously consider and think about. Now I'm going to show you a video of someone being loyal to Jesus. Despite being put in such a dire circumstance that I think all of us would hate to be in. It takes place in North Africa back in the time of the Roman Empire. North Africa was once the center of, the vi of a vibrant Christian community. When Emperor Septimius Severus determined to cripple Christianity, it was not a surprise that he set his sights on North Africa. And among the first to be arrested was a group of five new Christians getting ready to be baptized. One of those was a woman of noble birth, wealthy and well-educated. Her name was Perpetua. Her father came to her rescue almost immediately and he knew that if she simply offered one pinch of incense in honor of the Roman gods, she would be set free. But she stood boldly in her faith. Father? My son! My daughter! How is he? He is well, my lady. And what's this? They are married, Proconsul. She is with child. I am not blind, soldier. Now, let's get this nonsense over with. Think carefully, my daughter. I have spoken with the Proconsul. You may come back home with me today. You will have your son back in your arms. All the comforts I can give you. You can return, my dearest, and it will be like none of this has happened. Just offer a pinch of incense. By the gods, if you people aren't stubborn. I will not. Take her away. One less slave. No, a baby makes two. 
I take it the husband will want the same fate. It is the living God that we serve. Make that free, less slaves in Carthage. Then you shall go to your living God as a dead man. Bring the next one. It's all very simple, really, my dear. In fact, you don't even have to mean it. Just do it so that fool of a priest sees you. All it takes is just one little pinch of incense. I cannot. I will not burn incense to a false god. Libya Perpetua. I... I must go. Perpetua, remember... It is of no consequence. Only a pinch of incense. You shall be home with me, with us. What will it matter to your god anyway? Only a pinch. Only a pinch. No! Perpetua! I am a Christian! Jesus Christ is Lord! No! Perpetua, perform the sacrifice! Have pity on your baby! I will not! It is a living God we serve! Christ Jesus! Perpetua! Do you not care for your father? Your own son? Offer the sacrifice for the welfare of the Emperor! For the sake of your family, Perpetua, offer the sacrifice! You must! Strike him! Ah! Father! Do it! I will not! Are you a Christian? I am. Your own mouth condemns you. I love you, Father. And you shall be thrown to the wild beasts. I love you, my son. Take them away! Perpetua! You shall see us no more. You... Shall see us no more! Perpetua refused, and she and her friends were sentenced to die in the arena. Perpetua had the courage and strength to not deny her faith. Though it cost her, through her sacrifice, she witnessed the prison guards, officials, and those who just came by the prison. Now, while we don't have to worry about this happening to us here in Canada or in North America in general, we do have to worry about what others will think of us. Christianity is often seen as a religion that promotes hate, white supremacy, bigotry, hypocrites, and other things. Now, we know that to be false, and we must fight back against that. But that will lead to some people shaming us, rejecting us. Yet because it is the truth, and Jesus is with us, we cannot give up in spreading the gospel. And so, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. First, are you denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus? Is there something you can think of or feel convicted of that you know is getting in the way of your walk with God? Perhaps, because I can certainly think of a couple of things in my life I need to work on. For me, I definitely need to spend more time with God and just doing godly things. I spend a lot of time on video games and social media when I could be studying the Bible, worshiping Him through song, helping out my parents more with chores, and just taking better overall care of my physical health. We're not going to be perfect ever, but we must never stop working on following Jesus better. 
My second question I have is, are you ashamed to call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus? If so, why are you? Is it because of other opinions about Christianity? Is it because of what you think Christianity is? Or is it something else? Because if you truly believe Jesus was who he said he was, that he is the Messiah, that he died for everyone's sins and rose again to give us new life, hope for the future, and eternal life with God, there is no reason to be ashamed to call yourself a Christian. Now, if this has left you feeling a little down, I understand that. As I was making this message, I kept thinking, I know this is true, and it's got to be said, but this can be heavy. But we can also have hope. This passage does tell us that following Jesus will lead to pain and suffering at times. And if you were to take it by itself, following Jesus looks pretty dreary. But it's not the only passage in the Bible. Other passages give us hope, like the end of Matthew, where we have the Great Commission that tells us to go out and make disciples for Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. And it ends off with this. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus is always with us, because we as Christians have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Or look at the end of Philippians in chapter 4, verses 13, which is often quoted, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now you have to remember the context. Context is king in Bible study. Because Paul is not saying you can literally do anything. But what he is saying is that no matter your circumstance, whether you're at a high point in life or a low point in life, you can face any circumstance while being content because you know Jesus Christ and he will help you get through whatever it is. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you to whoever is able to watch this. And Lord, I ask that you would just be with them. Let them know that you love them, that you want to have a relationship with them, or if if they already know you, Lord, that you were with them through everything, whether it be one of the highest points in their life or one of the lowest. And God, I ask that you'd first help us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. If we have started doing that, Lord, I pray, God, that you would reach out, whether it be through people or just through your presence or some other way, God, and let them know that you love them, that you want to have a personal relationship with them and show them a life that they have never seen before. And God, for us that already know you, Jesus, I ask that you would help us to realize in what areas, in what ways we need to deny ourselves, say no to that, whether it be sinful or not. That you would help us to see that and that we would take up our cross, follow you, follow your path, and submit to your authority. And second, God, I also ask that for whoever of us are ashamed of you, Jesus, and what you said, that we would realize that what you said is the truth, that you love us, and the truth cannot be denied. It must be spoken. It must be told and that you will be with us no matter what happens, and that we have no reason to be ashamed to call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.